Welcome to the Littler Diversity and Inclusion Podcast. Conversations related to the human resource challenges of an ever-evolving workforce. Welcome. My name is Elijah Asgardotson, and I work with Littler Mendelssohn, which is the largest management side labor and employment practice in the world. This gives us the benefit of having attorneys with experience in a variety of fields to support our employers on all sorts of employment related issues. We also deal in the realm of diversity and inclusion, unconscious bias, leadership and communication strategies. And that's what we'll be focusing on here today as I welcome you to the second episode of our diversity and inclusion podcast series, your diversity and inclusion toolkit to discuss listening groups that are sometimes called courageous conversations. Joining me on this discussion are my co-presenters, Deoncia Johnson-Massey, a shareholder from Littler's Atlanta office, and Atracia Andre, an associate from the same office. Deoncia, Trey, and I have a deep diversity and inclusion experience, and we like to keep our fingers in the pulse of the space. That pulse has sure been beating loudly and quickly this year. Hello, Deoncia. Hi, Trey. Hello. Hi, how are you? So, I'm very well, but let's jump into the program, shall we? As you know, diversity and inclusion covers a lot of territory, and the employers that we work with sometimes struggle to understand just how they can develop a diversity, equity, and inclusion program, in addition to DEI Trainings 101 that incorporate the desires of their workforce, reflect the values of their organization, and align with the law. Today, we want to explore and unpack some of the tools that an employer can consider adding to their tool belt as part of their unique DE&I program. So, Deoncia, without further ado, can I ask you, what are some of the options that employers are discussing with you that go beyond DEI Training 101, which I would consider the cornerstone of a good DEI program? Good question, Elisa. We've seen client requests run the gamut recently, from company statements expressing support of Black Lives Matter or other social justice efforts generally, to workplace surveys, to D&I program construction, or strengthening of existing DE&I efforts, to courageous race and racial justice conversations, to targeted conflict resolution. You name it, in all candor, we've probably seen it recently. Tiancia and Trey, that is so true. 2020 has been so packed full in this particular landscape. So in conjunction with the nationwide protests for racial equality, I've seen something of a revitalization of companies' interests in diversity, equity, and inclusion. And some of that buzz, some of the phrases that have been getting a lot of play are learning groups or courageous conversations. I would consider these employee discussions to be Town Hall 2.0, if you will, because of the incorporation of a neutral facilitator. Do you agree? How do you describe these buzzworthy additions to the employer's DE&I toolkits? So the race-based facilitated employee discussion or courageous conversation is a DNI tool that we've seen clients clamoring for after the killings of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor by police this past summer. 
essentially what these courageous conversations look like are small group sessions with employees, about eight to 10 people. And we craft an agenda to encourage free discussion within the group. I mean, the truth of the matter is that these discussions are already happening in your workplace. What we seek to do is facilitate them in a way to promote connection and understanding among colleagues. We focus on driving home that our life experiences, which are very real, they shape our perspectives and that due to those experiences, our perspectives may be limited or obstructed when it comes to the particular experiences and perspectives of our colleagues, friends, and even family. These discussions provide a much needed outlet for all employees to be heard and to express deep emotions about the world they are navigating. You know, this has been a difficult year for everyone, but the kinds of challenges we face and the way those challenges impact us vary widely based on race. That's just the reality of American life. Black Americans were disproportionately impacted physically and financially by the coronavirus pandemic, only to be thrown into a mental and emotional frenzy by the killings of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and the subsequent protests that dominated the summer news cycle. So in other words, Black employees have a lot on their minds and the opportunity to safely express those pains or concerns at work to not have to pretend like these huge and oftentimes painful life events aren't happening for 40 hours of the week. Now that can be a big sigh of relief moment. Trey is absolutely right. I mean, the difference here is that these facilitated discussions are not so much about venting as they are about truly engaging the differences that exist among us and understanding the gravity of how that can affect our lived experiences. What we found is that our presence in the conversation, that ability to really provide guidance, can help lead these discussions to an enhanced understanding of the very real differences existing in our lived experiences, and even more importantly, to a productive resolution that isn't always achieved when these conversations just sort of happen naturally in the workplace. As human beings, our nature is really to seek the easy resolution, to drop the conflict when it occurs. We just want to not have the conversation uh, because we're uncomfortable. But our facilitated discussions really do reject that premise, and we embrace the discomfort, and we help the people that we're working with to embrace it too. Frankly, for a lot of participants, this is the first time they're having conversations about race in an honest way and with people who do not share their frameworks or viewpoints. So our approach truly recognizes that we won't get to true understanding and connection unless we get comfortable with the uncomfortable. Thank you both of you, that is such a fascinating new development in the world of diversity, equity, and inclusion. I'm sure, however, that several employers are wondering why they would benefit 
from an external facilitator rather than doing this in-house? Why shouldn't they just have their internal human resources reps conduct these conversations? Elisha, that is another great conversation and question. And the answer really is pretty simple. An external facilitator is a neutral party that you as a participant have no prior history with or judgments about. In that context, a skills facilitator can help participants feel relaxed enough to formally discuss a topic at work that is normally off limits. I should add, to be honest, that during these discussions, we are often in contact with HR. And the reason for that is we really want them to be aware of any recurring or particularly eyebrow-raising concerns, because those do happen during the context of a conversation. That's really the benefit of having an attorney facilitate these discussions. We're looking out for any immediate legal risks too. Okay, so there is value in bringing in an independent, neutral facilitator. You know, but one of the common refrains I hear from my clients is how can we possibly prepare for these very delicate conversations with their workforce? We don't know the people like their HR folks do. And my response has always been preparation, right? We do not ever parachute into these conversations. In fact, behind the scenes, there's work that's done to make a facilitated employee discussion rise or fall. Oh, definitely. And let me just say off the bat that for me personally, it's always my goal. And I know Deontia shares this priority. It is always our goal to help facilitate understanding and connection. You know, if you jump into these conversations without preparing for them, you run the risk of doing more harm than good. So our process looks like talking with leadership to get a true understanding of their goal, clarifying whether the desire for the discussions are a result of an internal workplace event versus an external societal event, and also digging deep into the workforce demographics and culture. We also want to know how much diversity, equity, and inclusion work the client has done, if any. These facilitated discussions can take place either way, and they can be effective either way. But obviously the tenor or outline of the discussions will depend on how much practice the workforce has had in having these conversations in a workplace context. Absolutely. You know, the pre-work, as I call it, is where the sausage is really made. It is imperative that you dig deeply to truly determine your client's preparedness to have these discussions. I'll tell you, I've had clients initially approach these discussions with a preconceived viewpoint and approach, and after a few in-depth, one-on-one collaborative discussions during the planning stage, they really do change their minds and understand that it's important to take a softer, more strategic approach so that we can encourage honest discussion and understanding. Again, as Trey mentioned, and Trey and I do this work 
together a lot. You really can do more harm than good without truly assessing the appropriate tone for your workforce for these discussions. That means really surveying your organization's work culture, as Trey mentioned, and perhaps focusing in on your quieter employees. What are they thinking? How would they like these discussions to benefit them and the workplace? Ultimately, you want everyone to feel comfortable to share their experiences and their true desires for better understanding in these discussions. All right. All right. I'm sold. Uh, <laughs> we've done all this prep work, right, in our hypothetical situation. So let's do this. Or wait, is there more? Ah, you guessed it, Elisa. There is always more. <laughs> after, after we've had a chance to talk with leadership, HR, and others about their workplace culture, any previous DNI work they've done and the reasons why they want to have this facilitated discussion, we truly do nail down the agenda in written form, review it with the client, and also prepare and distribute homework materials for the participants. This homework is a guide to having difficult conversations in the workplace. I found that providing this information is really helpful in preparing everyone for what to expect when they attend a facilitated discussion, even if they don't remember all the discussion tactics. They really don't have to. That's why I'm there to facilitate. Yes, and, you know, one of the aspects of the facilitated discussion that we found to be a huge benefit is suggesting that the client select ambassadors to join the small group. These ambassadors are a diverse group of company-minded individuals that have significant influence within the workplace. They've earned their colleagues and the leadership's trust. And essentially, they act as co-facilitators or just familiar trusted faces in the small group. We assign at least one for each small group and prepare them in a training session too before the facilitated discussions begin with the broader group. And where they help is there may be some hesitation from the participants to respond to our prompting questions while everyone's getting comfortable, right? And the ambassador will interject and get the conversation flowing. Oh my gosh, I love the idea of using ambassadors, especially where it aligns with an employer's workforce. Deancia, how have you seen ambassadors contribute to the success of a facilitated employee discussion? Ambassadors can contribute immensely. And let me say that again. They contribute immensely. In fact, more recently, I've seen ambassadors in leadership positions within the company really contribute to leading the discussion to a place of understanding. The ability to be a real value add in these discussions is heightened when the participants trust the leader, and there is simply something special about the fact that they also share a company affiliation. In fact, that company affiliation is icing on the cake. And, you know, I'm sure that the 
value, the primary value of these facilitated discussions is uh, for sharing of ideas, but it's also incredibly valuable because it shines as an avenue for employers to learn about their workforce's needs, right? Tiancia, Trey, as facilitators and as attorneys, what are some of the topics you like to provide employers with feedback on after a facilitated employee discussion? Absolutely. I think it's really critical to share with employers what we perceive as the general employee morale during the conversations, because that can add critical insight about what they want to do going forward. We, of course, share any concerns or incidents about discrimination, harassment, or retaliation, both by colleagues and sometimes, surprisingly, by customers. And then we also share what the desires or hopes were that were expressed by members of the team for additional training or skill development or conversations in the diversity, equity, and or inclusion space. Yes, so as Deontia noted, we want to highlight any recurring themes of legal risk, but there are aspects of these discussions that transcend legal analysis. We also want to highlight what has and hasn't been working according to the participants in the workplace as it relates to their employment. And that can involve concerns about promotion and development opportunities, or even just employees' relationship building with their colleagues. Are there recurring themes of workplace tension? Are those things popping up for a particular department? Those are also topics that we want to zero in on to provide feedback for the client. Thank you, Trey. Tiancia, I know that you have conducted several such discussions for employers across the nation at this point. Do you have any particular examples of instances where the facilitated discussions have brought unexpected value to the employer? Oh, yes. I mean, within the last few months, I've had clients express really the gift of how much the facilitated discussions provided a window into the often unexplored thoughts and feelings of their workforce. I truly can't tell you how valuable that insight is, not just from a risk mitigation standpoint, but just from a human connection and optimization perspective. So many of our clients have come to the conclusion that legal compliance is just simply not enough. They want to engage their team members at a human level embrace diversity in a much more authentic way, and cultivate an inclusive work environment. Great leaders have taken this opportunity to become even greater. They genuinely want their workforces to know that they, too, believe in the power of the collective us to create more fulfilling workplace cultures, to problem solve, and to create enhanced human and business outcomes. The secret sauce really is to harness that sense of inclusiveness, that genuine feeling that everyone is not just on the team, but a valued member of the team. When you have leaders, that can co-create that environment with their team members, then there is nothing that cannot be accomplished together. 
team members do not forget that kind of employer investment. And they then counter-invest with their time, their effort, and their brilliance as a result. That cycle of continuous investment really is priceless. Thank you, Deontia. That is such a great example. And thank you, Trey, for your input as well. But as you always remind me, Deontia, employers have various tools to ensure that they are developing a robust diversity, equity, and inclusion program that is right for them. Listening sessions being just one among these many tools, we will continue to unbox and demystify some of those other options in future podcasts, so stay tuned. Our next topic, however, is going to be reinvigorating your diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts. Remember to get in touch with me, Teancia, or Trey, and let us know if you would like to cover a particular diversity, equity, and inclusion subject, or talk to one of us in greater detail about this topic. Thanks for listening. The purpose of this program is to provide helpful information for employers, addressing the latest developments in labor and employment relations. It is not a substitute for experienced legal counsel and does not provide legal advice or attempt to address the numerous factual issues that arise in any employment-related issue. To discover other labor and employment podcast series from Littler, the largest global employment and labor law practice, visit littler.com slash podcasts.